Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us, to learn about the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the holy and anointed Lamb of God, the light of the world, the Savior of mankind. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or call us at 678-692-8870. You can also write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We look forward to hearing from you, and we pray that these messages of truth touch your lives. If you have been moved by these biblical teachings, please visit our forums online at covenantpeoplesministry.org and sign up to follow us on our YouTube channel, Covenant People. Thank you for joining us for another CPM broadcast. And now, here is our pastor, Jeremy Visser, with our next Bible study. Hello again, dear kinsfolk, and thank you for joining me. I'm Pastor Visser of the Covenant People's Outreach and Ministry. And today we're going to be taking a look at the fact that Yahshua, our Christ, is better than the Old Testament prophets. And many people may be asking themselves, well, why, Pastor Visser, do you feel the inclination to bring forth a study like this? And the reason for that is because within Christian identity, we spend a lot of time looking at the law. And in my estimation, I believe because we do that, we oftentimes neglect the fact that Jesus is better than the Old Testament prophets. Why? Well, the answer should be self-apparent, and that is this, that a majority of the Old Testament prophets all spake of a coming Redeemer, and Yahshua fulfilled that. And so, I've entitled tonight's lecture, Majesty on High. Majesty on High. And we'll get to that momentarily because I have assembled the notes for tonight's lecture from the first chapter of Hebrews. So, as I go through this, remember, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 1, but I'll be skipping around improving various points. And it says, In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now, in all fairness, many people do not know who authored the book of Hebrews. But it is attributed to Paul. And I am of that school of thought. The writing in Hebrews is quite identical to what we find in the Gospel according to Luke, the book of Acts, and many other places, but most assuredly the Pauline epistles. And we know that Luke was a close traveling companion of Paul's. Paul then begins this letter, most likely through his scribe Luke, and this letter is a general epistle. It can be applied to each and every one of us and our Christian walk. Paul basically begins by saying, In times past, the word of God came to our fathers through the prophets in different parts and in different ways. 
And that is what I want you to understand. There were technically two methods by which Yahweh God would speak to his people under the Old Testament law. One is by having a prophet that he would raise up, and he would give that particular prophet visions. And he would go and he would prophesy unto the people. The other, of course, is by the outpouring of the, of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at both. So, in establishing that God, in times past, gave the word of Yahweh to our fathers through the prophets, we're going to look at Numbers in chapter 12, because it is here where we learn about who is a, a true prophet and a false prophet. And many people were wondering, was Moses a genuine prophet? Therefore, we learn in verse 6 here of Numbers chapter 12, he said, Now, give ear to my words. If there is a prophet among you, I will give him knowledge of myself in a vision, and will let my words come to him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. He is true to me in all my house. With him, Yahweh speaking, I will walk and talk mouth to mouth, openly and not in dark sayings. And with his eyes he will see the form of Yahweh. Why then had you no fear of saying evil against my servant Moses? And burning with wrath against them, Yahweh went away. So that is the first method by which Yahweh, in times past, or at sundry times, spoke through his prophets. He would raise up someone like Moses and would give him the words to speak. And also notice that then, like now, Moses was a genuine prophet risen up by Yahweh. Yahweh confirms that, but yet the Israelites had issue and would speak evil against him. Now the second way, according to the Old Testament, that Yahweh God would speak to his people is through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now this is usually much more dangerous because then you have men and women who come in and say, well, you can't speak for God or you're speaking contrary to God's word. And under the Mosaic law, that was how we could tell who was a genuine prophet and who was a false prophet. If what they said Yahweh gave them to say came to pass, then they were most oftentimes genuine. But if they spoke evil, then they were false prophets. And therefore, in Joel chapter 2, we learn in verse 28. After that, it will come about, says Yahweh, that I will send my spirit out on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will be prophets. Your old men will have dreams. Your young men will see visions. And on the servants and the servant girls in those days, I will spend and send my spirit. And I will let wonders be seen in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. So, my friends, we have looked at the two ways that Yahweh God, who, at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake unto the fathers through the prophets. One was by divine will and by leading his prophets. Scripture says Yahweh God will raise up a prophet or prophets according to my own heart. And a prophet, by way of a Hebrew or a Greek word, merely means one with the gift of teaching. 
Doesn't mean necessarily that they can come in and tell you or forecast tomorrow's uh, events, but that they can teach. That is what a prophet is. That was why John the Baptist was considered a prophet. And so, right here in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, Paul establishes the fact that Yahweh God talked in times past in varying and different ways. And all of those ways are transcribed right here within the Word of God. So do not allow any man to come in and deprive you of that Word. So picking it back up in Hebrews 1, but verse 2. This same God, Paul says in verse 2, hath in these days last spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, this word worlds is actually ages and or aeons in the Greek. And so much can be taught from Hebrews 1 verse 2. But notice Paul says, in these last days, meaning we are in that last age. And unfortunately, that was transliterated as words or worlds here. So we need to take a look deeper at the Hebrew etymology of this word worlds, right? Ages. Because after all, if in these last days or these last ages, the second to the third, technically, earth age, because we are waiting for and ushering in the third and final earth age. So in these last days spoken, this word days in the Greek, straightforwardly, it means hey mara. It's a feminine word, and it's a derivative of another Greek word, a Greek word that is hura. But it means literally a day, a time space between dawn and dark, or the whole 24 hours. But it also means an age, forever, or judgment. So, understand what is being said here. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, that is Jesus the Christ, Yahshua Messiah. And that same Redeemer, he has, Yahweh has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, or the ages. Now, it should make sense as to why. In John chapter 1 verse 1, we learn, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and that Word was God. Yeshua was there. By him all things were created. And perhaps we don't have time for that today. But also notice, Paul is saying that there's not necessarily going to be any other prophets spoken. He says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So in our era, we can go back to the Old Testament prophets, right? We can see how Yahshua fulfilled prophecies pertaining to his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But by these days, in these days, and in this second, and soon to be, final, third, earth age, Yahweh God speaks to us through his son, Yahshua. Verse 3. Who, being the brightness of his glory. Stopping right there. Yahshua is the brightness of Yahweh's glory. He put all things under Yahweh's, or Yahshua's feet. Yahweh did. Therefore, understand that point. Yahshua 
our Redeemer is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. Express, meaning exclusive. Yahshua is the image of God because God is spirit, my friends. But if God were to put his spirit de facto into flesh, what would we have? Yahshua, the brightness of his glory. So, verse 3, here in Hebrews chapter 1, reads as such. Who, being in the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. There, my friends, is the title of tonight's lecture, January 4th. 2017. Majesty on high. Now, it's very important to understand that Yahshua is sitting at the right hand of Yahweh God. That is a title and an honor that is reserved for no one else. No angel. No saint. Not even Moses. Yahshua sits at the right hand of Yahweh. Meaning, Yahweh is Yahshua's head. Thus, Yahshua is the right hand or an extension of Yahweh God. Paul would also teach in Ephesians, and this is a series that we've just begun, but he says in Ephesians that Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. And we just covered that, but understand that point. We dwell within Christ. Christ is where? Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. In fulfillment, of an Old Testament prophecy. And we mustn't neglect that. There is a purpose for the Old Testament prophets. Yahshua said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law, nor the prophets. So neither the Pentateuch nor the Old Testament prophets is done away with in Christ. But what Paul is teaching here at the beginning of his letter to the Hebrews is that Christ is better than the prophets. And he gives eight specific reasons here. So, picking it back up in chapter 1, verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels. Stopping right there. Who? Yahshua. In context. And this is very important because we're going to understand something here when we get to verse 9. One of the reasons God found Yahshua acceptable is because he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Now, that's quite different than what Judeo-Christians espouse, right? He hated iniquity, but yet Christ was not above sitting and dining with sinners and publicans. Why? He was made so much better than the angels. And so it stands for you and I. We have the imparting or the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have a fragment of Yahweh God within us. Because our Redeemer, our head, was made so much better than the angels. This is why we will judge angels as the saints. But not only that, Paul continues, as he hath by an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Who? Yahshua has a more excellent name than the Old Testament prophets. So whether we look at Micah, Amos, Isaiah, or Jeremiah, a minor or a major prophet, Yahshua has obtained a more excellent name than all of them. And it stands to reason, does it not? Yahshua is much more excellent than the Old Testament prophets because unlike many of the prophecies that were given by them of old, Yahshua fulfilled 90% 
of the prophecies. And those prophecies that he has yet to fulfill will be fulfilled when he ushers in the third and final earth age. But don't fret. Right now, Yahshua is sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And that is why I have titled tonight's lecture just that. Christ is so much better than the angels, right? So, I want you to consider a statement as it's found in Philippians, where Paul says in verse 9 of chapter 2, For this reason, God has put Christ in the highest place and has given to him the name which is greater than every name. Stopping right there. This name, Yahshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ, is greater than any other name in the Old Testament. From Adam to Zechariah, until his time, and even those that come after, and we must get that right. It's not only taught right here at the beginning of Hebrews, and coming out the gate in this salutation, (laughs) in setting up, this very long epistle of Paul. But it's also taught right there in Philippians, and we just covered it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. For this reason, Yahweh has put Christ in the highest place and have have given to him the name, which is greater than every other name. Pay close attention. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee may be bent of those in heaven and those on earth and those in the underworld, that every tongue may give witness that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God our Father. So that is the point, whether you like it or do not. We only have access to Yahshua through Yahweh God, through his divine providence, and so it stands. We only have access to Yahweh God through Yahshua, because Yahshua is what? The name by which every knee should bow. And the name by which every tongue should confess is Lord. So like it or don't, you can deny Yahshua in life. And I'm speaking to any Muslims or Jews that may have the misfortune of hearing this broadcast. But you will confess and your knee will bow to him. That doesn't mean you'll enter into the kingdom freely. But that means at his return. And God highly exalted Yahshua and gave him a name which is above every other's. And therefore, you should understand why the covenant that Christ brought and fulfilled is better than the Old Testament prophets. Because the prophets could only explain that a Redeemer was coming. So, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, we learn. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? Question. Stopping right there. To which of the angels did Yahweh God ask this, or even say this? None. But yet the angels are considered to be what the sons of God, according to Job, chapter 1 and 2, according to Job, chapter 38, Isaiah, Ezekiel, many other places. The angels also are the sons of God, but they are not the only begotten, the literal offspring of Yahweh God. Rather, the angels and you and I, being the saints, are created in his image, in his likeness. Yahshua is the express image of his person. Now, we can reflect the light that is within us, but Yahshua reflected the light that was God. 
Because Paul asked this, for unto which of the angels, he said, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. That should sound familiar, because that was spoken by King David in the Psalms. And Yahshua fulfilled the Psalms. Therefore, (laughs) he's much greater in name than David, is he not? Well, we learn in the second Psalm, verse 7, David says, I will make clear Yahweh's decision. He has said to me, you are my son. This day I have given you being. Make your request known to me, and I will give you the nations for your heritage. And the furthest limits of the earth will be under your hand. So understand that point. Yahweh said unto David, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Yahshua fulfilled that. Therefore, Paul asked, to which of the angels did he say this? Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. To which of the angels does the second psalm, verse 7, apply? None of them. And they are sons of God too. Because they were not begotten, they were created. And moving on, back here in Hebrews chapter 1, but verse 5, Paul asks another question. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be unto me a son. Where is that written? Second Samuel. All the way back in the Old Testament. So notice, Christ didn't do away with the Old Testament, but the Old Testament and the Old Testament prophets all mention him. Quite interesting, is it not? Second Samuel, chapter 7. We learn in verse 14. I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. If he does wrong, I will give him punishment with the rod of men, and with the blows of the children of men. But my mercy will not be taken from him, as I took it from him who was before you. And your family and your kingdom will I keep their place before me forever. The seat of your authority will never be overturned. So understand, this is the Davidic covenant. And Yahweh, as he promised Abraham, and as he promised Isaac and Jacob, says, anyone who moves against you is moving against me. Why? Well, in short, he is majesty on high. And after this account, if you continue reading in Second Samuel, Nathan goes out, being an Old Testament prophet, and gives David the account of all these words. So I want you to consider one more place before we move on. Here in the first chapter of Hebrews. And that would be found in the 13th chapter of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, we learn in verse 33. God is now put into effect for our children by sending Yahshua. As it says in the second Psalm, You are my son. This day I have given you being. King James says, As it is written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Double witness, my friend, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New. Yahshua Christ is the only begotten Son of Yahweh God. And it is for that cause that Yahweh gave unto His Son everything, everything. And we must understand that. Now, we only get to God through Christ, because Yahshua is the mediator of the New Covenant. Who is the new covenant made with? Well, the same exact people of the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant, the house of Israel, and the house of Judah, the man. So, we're going to take a break. 
But keep your finger here in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5 and ponder these things. Because Yahweh God did not say to any of the angels, and he will not say to you, you are my son, this day I have begotten thee. So, we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205, or give us a call at 678-692-8870. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.org, where you will find direct access to our extensive selection of audio sermons. You can also listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast on your mobile audio devices. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, please make your checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry or use the donate button on our website to use PayPal. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow him to lead your life and help to build his church so that when he returns, he will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. And that is so true. We truly appreciate letters from all around the world, and fortunately, men and women have been led by the Holy Spirit to contact this ministry. And so, never hesitate to send your letters. But back to the subject at hand. We were looking at Paul teaching on how Christ had a superior covenant, or we could just say ministry, to the Old Testament. Christ is better than the prophets, and then Paul gives his reasons. Now, the first reason is that Christ is better than the angels. He's, because he's the Son of God, the only begotten. And that is where we left off. So the first reason that Yahshua is greater than the Old Testament prophets is he was made better than the angels or the sons of God. And the sons of God were also prophets. But because of his sonship and inheritance, Yahshua was Yahweh's inheritance, and we also, as the sons and daughters of Yahweh God, have an inheritance through Christ. And Paul teaches that, not only here in Hebrews, but in our current series on Ephesians. So, we've just begun it, we're about two parts in, so feel free to join us. But what is the next reason? The second reason is because of his deity, and that's where we left off. Because of his deity, his kingship, his character, and his creative power. And not only that, he is eternal. Because of his eternity, Yahshua, he's different than the other sons of God. Because many of them, even the angels that fell, they have an expiration date. They go into the lake of fire with the the false prophet, right? And his quote-unquote angels. And so, also, are we born to die? So, understand that point. But picking it back up in Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all of the angels of God worship him. 
He never said that to any of the Old Testament prophets. He never said that in relation to Moses or David, who we briefly looked at before the intermission. But he did say it of Yahshua, and it was said throughout the Old Testament, and we need to understand that again and proving. Christ did not do away with the Old Testament. In fact, Christ and Paul were both pronomian. And Paul, most assuredly, being a Pharisee and living most of his life in uh, dedication to the letter of the law, would have known. But Paul never once, here in Hebrews or any of his epistles, come in and say the law is done away with. Quite interesting, right? So Paul would also teach the Pentateuch, or the law. And part of the law is found in the 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy, where we learn in verse 43. Be glad, O you, his people, Israel, over the nations, for he will take payment for the blood of his servants and will give punishment to his haters and take away the sin of his land for his people. For his people. Where's that? Deuteronomy. Chapter 32, verse 43. Yahweh God does all of these things for his people. But what about this statement? Let the angels of Yahweh God worship Yahshua. Now, he doesn't say that about just anyone, right? Well, that's found in the 97th Psalm. And we need to turn there very briefly so you understand, again, what Paul is saying. Paul isn't saying, don't follow the Old Testament. Paul is taking you right here in the first six verses of uh, Hebrews chapter 1, all around the Old Testament. How many quotes have we covered thus far? The second Psalm, Acts 13, Second Samuel, uh, and many more. Numbers 12, Joel chapter 2. But in the 97th Psalm, we also learn in verse 7, Shame be all. Of those who give worship to images and take pride in false gods. Give him worship, all you gods. Now the King James Version says, worship him, all ye gods. Now you should understand why one of the titles given Yahshua, Yahweh's heritage, is Lord of Lord, King of Kings, right? God of Gods. Yahshua is God above every God. He has a name that is exalted above every other name on earth. He is the name by which all Israelite flesh is saved. And not only that, all keys were given him. Again, when he bringeth the first begotten into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. Worship him. Give him worship, Yahshua, all you gods. So understand the point. Whether we're a lowercase God, even the devil, who fancies himself to be some form of a God and promises the wisdom of being gods as he did, Adam and Eve in the very beginning, must worship Yahshua, is bound under his feet. Therefore, all power comes from Christ. We have a power that is often neglected. Do not neglect to use that. And we can have access to that power by worshiping him. Let all the angels of God worship Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7. And of the angels he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers the flame of fire? But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. 
Pay close attention to what Paul says here in verse 8. Unto the Son, Yahweh saith, Thy throne, O El, O God. Yahshua is God. Because, well, we've already covered it today. He is the express image of Yahshua's, or Yahweh's person. Yahshua is. That's found in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. But where is this written? Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. It is another psalm. It's the 45th psalm, my friends. So, notice, this most assuredly was authored by Paul or Luke, because both of these men were intimately familiar with the entire Old Testament. But in the 45th Psalm, we learn in verse 6, Your seat of power, O God, is forever and ever. The rod of your kingdom is a rod of honor. You have been a lover of righteousness and a hater of evil. And so God, your God, has put the oil of joy on your head, lifting you high over all other kings. Now, we need to digress right here. Because on its surface, this can seem rather cryptic. Especially when we read it here in the Old Testament. But Psalm 45, verse 6 says, Your seat of power, O God, is forever and ever, right? The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness. Now this can only refer to Yahshua and a coming Redeemer. Because God cannot refer to himself, but yet he does here. He says, therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee, Yahshua, with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Paul confirms it right here. But unto the Son, Jesus, he says, all the way back in the 45th Psalm, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a ruler's staff, a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. So, hopefully that makes some sense, because it was foreordained that Yahshua would come. And many people, for hundreds, if not thousands of years, from the time of this writing, in the 45th Psalm, probably said, well, who's God talking to? Why would God give unto God? Why would it say, thou lovest righteousness and hateth wickedness? Because it refers to Yahshua. And we must understand that. I already briefly touched upon that before the halfway point. But Christ loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Now that didn't stop him from sitting and dining with sinners and publicans. That didn't stop him from teaching to do good to those who persecute you. And from loving your enemy, did it? But yet this, the 45th Psalm, verses 6 and 7. That Yahweh God is forever and ever, and the scepter of Yahshua is the scepter of righteousness, because he has loved righteousness and hated iniquity. We need to understand that. Christ didn't come in and give people a license to sin, ever. Even at the beginning of John chapter 8, with the woman taken in adultery, he held the stone out and said, Go and sin no more. Christ taught, don't sin. Because all sin is a transgression of God's law. And all lawlessness is what? Iniquity, as we read right here. Christ loves the righteous, but hates the iniquitous. So, in his parables of the tares and the wheat, do you understand why he gathers the tares first and burns them? Do you understand why he tells the goats, Depart from me, you who practice iniquity. 
Christ loves righteousness, but hates iniquity. So, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 reads in its entirety, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now, two points I'd like to make. Number one, do you know that we have the oil of gladness? And there's so much significance. I have taught on the oil of our people before. And the olive tree and what it represents. And don't neglect that point. Christ Yahshua is anointed with the oil of gladness above all thy fellows, above every other son or angel of Yahweh God. This was also point two spoken about by Isaiah in the major prophet in his 61st chapter. Right at the very beginning, Isaiah says, The spirit of Yahweh El is upon me because Yahweh hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all that mourn. But pay close attention to verse 3, here in Isaiah 61. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy, for mourning. The oil of joy for mourning. But yet here we learn in the first chapter of Hebrews that Yahweh God anointed Yahshua with the oil of gladness, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, that he might be glorified. Thus, that should make a little more sense as to the usage of the word oil. The oil of joy is given us in Yahshua. Yahshua is anointed with that same oil for mourning. That is the trade-off. That is why Yahshua is an inheritance to Yahweh God. And we also, by extension, are an inheritance to Him as well. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Now, I have said countless times that every key was given Yahshua, and we must understand that. And I'm going to prove that here momentarily. But this is yet another place in the first chapter of Hebrews where Paul proves that he's intimately familiar with the Old Testament prophets. If your thumb is still in the book of Isaiah, turn to chapter 50, and we learn in verse 9. The Lord God is my helper, who will give a decision against me. Truly, all of them will become old like a robe. They will be food for the worm. Who among you has the fear of the Lord, giving ear to the voice of his servant, who has been walking in the dark and has no light? Let him put his faith in the name of Yahweh, looking to his God for support. Look to your God for support. But not only here. Consider another statement. Isaiah chapter 51, only one chapter over. Verse 6. Let your eyes be lifted up to the heavens and turn to the earth which is under them. For the heavens will go into flight like a smoke and the earth will become old like a coat. And its people will come to destruction like insects 
But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not come to an end. Give ear to me, all you who have knowledge of righteousness. Knowledge of righteousness. But yet we learned Christ loved righteousness and hated iniquity. So it stands to reason, if we incline to have knowledge of Christ and righteousness, which is in short, pleasing God and keeping his will, his law by extension, then we will fare fine. We will be part of the sheep company, will we not? Paul says right here in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 51, These were fulfilled in Yahshua. Thou, Yahweh, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth. And my friends, predestination was something Paul taught about adamantly. It is found throughout all of the entire epistle to the Ephesians. It is found in Corinthians. But it's also found here in Hebrews where he says, Hath laid the foundation of the earth at the very beginning, before Satan's catapult, at the first earth age, just like John 1, one. And John 1, verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 11, here in Hebrews chapter 1, They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall all wax as old, as doth a garment, and as a vesture, thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. The way God is the same, yesterday, today, Forever, my friends. And that's something that we can bank our salvation on. Is it not? He says, just right here, as he does, or as Isaiah does in uh, chapter 50, excuse me, they shall perish. But thou, Yahweh God, and Yahshua, in context, will remain. They, all of us, the nations, the other sons of God, that are beneath Yahshua, we will wax old. As anything does, it has an expiration date. And as a vesture, Yahweh God will fold them up. They shall be changed. But who? Yahweh God is the same forever. So, consider a statement found in the final chapter of Hebrews. That is, chapter 13, but verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Why is that important? Because if Christ did not forgive sin so much, or excuse sin, we could say, as he walked, then chances are pretty good he is the same today and will be the same forever. Now it goes without saying that Yahshua is Yahweh in flesh form, so God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is why here in Hebrews, Towards the conclusion of this great letter, Paul says in chapter 13, after verse 8, that Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In verse 9, he says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them, which have been occupied therein. So Christ most assuredly is the same. He will not change. He will not leave. And he will not forsake you. Everything else and every other man will because of this very reason. Because of a prophecy that was spoken by Isaiah. And not only him, but common sense. 
Everything will wax old. Even pearls have an expiration date. Even rubies. Even precious gems. So, if we live like that, understanding that Christ is the same, He will bestow grace. He will always love righteousness. He will always hate iniquity. And that is why God anointed Him with the oil of gladness or the oil of joy. So, here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Yahweh God did not say that to any other angel nor any other man. Paul is saying in Hebrews 1, verse 13, that this statement, the 110th Psalm, a psalm that is so important that it deals with the Word of God, one of the longest psalms, and one of the longest chapters in the entire Bible is fulfilled in Yahshua. Psalm 110, verse 1. A psalm of David. The Lord said to my Lord, Be seated at my right hand, till I put all those who are against you under your feet. Yahweh will send out the rod of your strength from Zion. Be king over your haters. So understand this point. Yahweh said unto my Lord. That's how the King James renders the 110th Psalm, verse 1. Sit thou at my right hand. So just like the other statement we looked at, people would be confused. Who's God talking to here, right? Because Yahweh said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand. It was fulfilled in Yahshua. He did not say it to an angel. He did not say it to any mere man. He said it to Yahshua. To which of the angels said he at any time? Sit thou at my right hand. None. Because it's already confirmed right here that Yahshua sits at the right hand, right? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And that is why I have titled tonight's lecture, Majesty on High. We're only about four days into the year my friend, but we're going to need your support for the next 30 days, most assuredly. We should be fine near the conclusion of February, at least for a few months. So, we're going to look at the final verse here in Hebrews chapter 1. So we can say we concluded the entire chapter. Verse 14 of Hebrews 1. Are they, who, the angels, are they, not all, ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? In short, we are the same heirs of that salvation, and Paul taught no differently. If you turn over very quickly, in conclusion, to Romans chapter 8, Paul says clearly and straightforwardly in verse 17, If we are children, we have the right to the part of the heritage in part of the things of God, together with Christ, so that if we have part in his pain, we will in the same way have part of his glory. So do you understand that point, my friends? If you want to have part in his glory, come out from the world. Don't walk as the rest of the world does, because they really don't know better. But we are righteous, or at least strive to be. We also have the added benefit of grace. So if this ministry has helped you, please consider helping us continue to broadcast and reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel all around the world, wherever they may be. Also, in your free time, read Daniel chapter 7, verse 10. 
about the heirs of salvation. Also the 103rd Psalm, verse 20. But until next time, this Saturday on Europe Oak Radio, where we'll be looking at the doctrine of Satan, 12 p.m. on EuropeOakRadio.com, this is Pastor Visser wishing you and your entire family great studies. War for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org, and share your Christian testimonies, or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible study lessons and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website. If you would like to write to us, send your comments and queries to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205, or reach us by telephone at 678-692-8870. We thank you for your prayers and offerings. And we pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to share the words of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, my friends.